Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. All right, let's open our Bibles, if you will. I'm going to go to, in the New Testament, and read a few verses from Luke chapter 6, verses 46 uh, through 49. So it says, what good does it do for you to say, I'm cheating from up here on the screen, what good does it say for you to say, I am your Lord and master if what I teach you is not put into practice? That's a solid question. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. He is like a man uh, who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. And when the storms and floods rage against that house, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the tempest, for it has been wisely built on the right foundation. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation whatsoever. And when the storms and floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. Which of these two builders will you be? Good question. Uh, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts. God, open up our minds. We, wanna, uh, we haven't figured it all out. We don't have everything uh, uh, perfected in our lives. God, we need your word. We need your Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray in this moment, this morning, Lord, that we would position ourselves to lean in to receive what you're trying to communicate. God, soften our hearts, open up our minds, open our ears. In the mighty name of Jesus, can you say amen? Amen. Now, we're continuing a series. We've uh, started, this is part three. This is uh, the series called Speak Life. We are a note-taking church as well. We encourage everybody every week. The reason why we suggested that be something that you do is because we're not speaking to your Sunday morning. We're speaking to your Monday through Saturday. And so what we talk about on Sunday morning is something that if you take it and you digest it and you listen to it, and you, which you can now on our, on our iTunes and our Spotify podcast or even on our website, you can listen to the messages from every week. Um, but you go back, you listen to it, you're looking at your notes, you're, you're looking at the scriptures and you're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and apply these things, just like we read, apply these things to your life because we are Jesus followers and that doesn't mean that we have everything figured out, it just means that we know who to follow. And uh, when we know who to follow, then it makes it a lot easier to understand what we need to do in our life because we can follow the lead and the example and the teaching of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going for. Um, but we, we uh, speak life has everything to do with the words that we speak. Our words have power. Can somebody say amen to that? Your, your words have power. Don't think, well, I'm not, this, I'm not as important as so-and-so, so maybe my words aren't as important. No, your words are very important. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 18.21, it says that words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. And so there's, there's, an element, there's a huge element of choice in there that the things that we speak out of our mouth that have to do with everyday life, some of the things that are, that are thought through and, and maybe even sometimes careless words that we allow out of our mouths are, are either speaking life into our situation or they're speaking death into our situation. They are either prophesying the word of God to ourselves or to other people, which sounds a really spiritual way of saying, you're just speaking what God would say about who you are and about what your life is supposed to be and those around you. 
Now, if we speak negatively, then we are actually flipping the script on that. We're doing the opposite. We are, we're speaking the opposite of what God would speak. We're, we're not aligning our heart and our thoughts up with who God is and what the word of God says, actually making us almost irrelevant to the impact that we could have in our world around us. And so our words have so much power. And, uh, and so we, uh, uh, we, we, we laid this out uh, in week one, which again, you can go back and listen to it. But um, the words that we speak actually begin to release chemicals in our brain that will produce permanent and burn permanent neurons into our brain, creating thoughts, creating habits, creating patterns in our life. And this will actually eventually begin to embed, almost like a computer, embed code into the DNA of your fabric so that you actually can pass those things on through your DNA to other generations. And so like that's terrifying and that potentially is awesome because what you could pass on to the next generation that maybe you'll never even meet, you'll never even see, you still have the ability to prophesy life into the next generation. And so when we look at the stuff that's going around us in our world, we're like, man, it's hopeless. Man, these millennials, man, these this and that, this next generation. And I don't even know, there's, there's already a name for the one after that. I don't know what it is. They're just... Well, I don't know what, they're just throwing letters at them now. So I don't know what the next letter is. Um, millennials was kind of creative, but anyway, but uh, it was an easy one. So we, we have a chance to actually speak life into what's gonna happen next. Instead of sitting back and saying, well, you know, when I was growing up, you know, we weren't as messed up as these guys. These guys are just, they're good for nothing. They're just lost. I don't even know what's gonna happen. Jesus, please come quickly. It's all falling apart. Or, right, or we can begin to speak something different. We can begin to speak life into our situation. Last week was pretty cool. We talked about worship. We talked about what? Worship up, walls down. Uh, we talked about how God uses people when they came into the promised land and how it wasn't through the might of their sword and the might of their physical strength that they conquered what God said was theirs, but it was actually through worship that it opened up the doors for them to walk into what God had for them. And uh, we had a little fun with that. We challenged you to be spirit and truth worshipers as Jesus followers, which isn't just a metaphor for something in your heart because uh, spirit worship is worship in your heart. That's your, where your spirit is. It's where the, the spirit of God resides inside of you. But also truth worship, which is what the Bible teaches us how to worship physically, how to worship with our mouth, with our words, with our actions, whether in an environment like this where we're clapping and we're singing and, and we're dancing and all these type of things, or whether it's driving driving in your car and you're bumping worship music because it may not be the, the thing that everyone else is listening to, but you know it's feeding your spirit and it's speaking something into you that's gonna make things come to life. And so today, this is part three. Today, uh, I want you to write this down. Here's the title for today's message and you can help me out. You can uh, just repeat this after me. Say standing room only. Standing room only. So let me ask you these questions. So what are you not willing to bow down or bow out to? What in your life will you say there is standing room only? Not gonna compromise. So we live, uh, we, we do, we live in a, in, a, in a generation that, I don't know, due to many different factors, technology, uh, social media, it's, it, we live in a social justice generation. And, and I think a lot of that's actually really good because it does give us the opportunity and the platform to be able to speak out, maybe for those who can't speak out for themselves, but at the same time, there's always kind of a double-edged sword when it comes to that stuff. It, it gives everybody a platform. It gives everybody a voice. And you begin to, it doesn't take long to scroll through Facebook or Instagram and, or, or, or Twitter to see um, the, the platforms that, 
that many people are stepping out and things that people are saying where you're like, where are you getting that from? They're, they're, uh, and I, and I, you have to give me some grace because I have to have some fun with this. There's this one billboard downtown. Uh, my wife took a picture of this recently. It's on Sierra and I don't know, it's like, it's right next to the old, old granite um, um, factory. Anyway, some of y'all have seen this because y'all are like, oh, it's a, it's a lobster. How many of y'all have seen this? Somebody... Somebody running out a billboard, and they, you've seen this. They, there's a lobster, and it says, um, uh, on there it's got these big words. It says, I'm me, M-E, not meat. Is it okay? Like, some of y'all are going to get offended, but I, I don't know about you. Like, that's a platform. That's, that's social justice for somebody because they, they feel like, you know, that a poor lobster is being taken advantage of. He's alive. He's got a personality. He's called by God, chosen. Jesus died for that lobster. And I don't, for me personally, and don't take this the wrong way, I don't care if you call it meat, I don't care if you call it meat. It's really good boiled and with some hot butter. And it's good to go. Nobody's leaving right now. Okay, good, good. Just make sure I'm speaking to the right people. So like we can, you can have a voice for anything and many people do. And, uh, and I think sometimes because of the, 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 uh, the pressure that exists in our world, because of the ability for everybody to have a, a strong stance on something, those that are not really apt to conflict and don't desire conflict, who should be speaking out for something, end up becoming very quiet and step back. Because if I step out and say something, I'm going to get destroyed. Because what has happened in our social justice culture is that it has, especially within the social media realm, because you can say stuff without having to look somebody in the eye. You know, you can say whatever you want and just hit send. You're like, mic drop. I'm like, nobody saw you drop the mic because you're by yourself. You're in your mom, you're 28 year old in your mama's room and you just, anyway, sorry. Anyway, just say whatever you want without any consequence. And then you're like, yeah, I took a stand. But like, you didn't take a stand for anything. If you want to take a stand for something, then put your voice out there where people can actually see the person behind the voice. When you can make eye contact with somebody. Because there are some pretty hardcore conversations in our world that need to happen. But they don't need to happen behind a computer screen. They need to happen face to face so that hearts can be heard and conversations can be had. And people can actually have dialogue instead of anti-debate. And, and unfortunately, probably before the technological age, the church did a terrible job of being, who, of being, a, being an organization, to being a, a movement, a church that actually promotes what we are for. We have done such a great job, and I underscore the word great with maybe a little bit of sarcasm, at letting everybody know what we are against. And so then we try to come out and be like, we're trying to reach our city. We're trying to be this. I'm like, how are you going to do that when you spent the last however many years telling all the people that you say you want to reach how much you're against who they are and what they do? All right, I'm going to stand on this side because here's the other side of the coin. Because then you have others that say, no, I want to go to a church that, that isn't about all that stuff because you shouldn't be able to tell me what I can and can and this and that and right and wrong. That's for me to decide. And, and so what the church has said is the church is holding on to this right here. You know what this is? This is the Bible. And so we, we've got the words, but maybe we've missed the heart. We've got the letter of the law, but maybe we've missed the spirit of the law because God didn't give us this so that we could line people up and just knock them out. Somebody's like, well, it says it's a sword of the spirit. I'm about to cut some. They're like, no, that's not what this is about. Because if you were here a few weeks back, we talked about how we do have an enemy, 
But the enemy is not the person that is behind the computer screen or the person that is walking up and down the street saying ridiculous things. It's not, it's not the news media or the people that are on either side of the news media. It's not the people in any political party, White House or Capitol, wherever you want to put it. They're not the enemy. The enemy is the devil, which is the enemy of God. The devil hates everything that God loves. God loves you, therefore the enemy hates you, wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. But we get this thing in the spirit of God that says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That we have this, it also says I am more than a conqueror. And so we can live a life of strength and we can live a life of faith. We can live a life of conviction and still do it, taking a stand for what the Bible says without chopping down the people that may be living in opposition to what the Bible says. Okay. We've said from day one that Convo Church is going to be built on the Bible, the Word of God. It's going to be our strong foundation on which we stand. Um, We don't say what the Bible doesn't say. We don't stand for what the Bible doesn't stand for. But at the end of the day, when you, when you take all the, the 66 books of the Bible from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament into Matthew, which starts the New Testament, all the way to the book of Revelation that everybody's afraid to read, there's a message in these pages. And the message is this. It's found in one verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So from, our, from a religious standpoint, and I use that word loosely because at Convo Church we say we don't do religion, we do relationship. God doesn't want a religion with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he did that by sending his son. And so we get into this world where all of a sudden there, we have more revelation of, of truth. To, to, to act and operate as if there is no truth that confronts humanity in the word of God is, 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 is a lie. It's not true. So we, we have this human nature inside of us that begins to conflict with, well, how do we handle truth and give it to people who are against the truth? You know, well, what's our stance? What's our stance? And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that question from many different angles on many different topics because, you know, when you're a new church coming to town, people kind of want to know what you're about, and there's nothing wrong with that because we are about something. And, uh, and sometimes when my, my answer would, you could see, you know, kind of some peace come on people's faces. And sometimes when I gave the answer, there would be confusion on their face. And that, that's okay. Because we, we're a church that is here for everybody. We believe that what we're about is for everybody. Our doors are open for everybody. But we also realize that what we do is may not be for everybody. And that's okay. So we tell people that at Convo Church, people are our passion. We tell them that Jesus is our message. We've already talked about how the word is our foundation. And guess what? Love is our stance. And that is such an inadequate answer for so many people. Because they're like, That's, I, get, I get it, yeah. So, so what's your stance? You're like, love is our stance. I'm like, well, that's, that's awesome. Jesus is love. You know, Jesus. So actually what, what I'm trying to get, what is your, what is, but what is your stance? <laughs> I'm like, you don't get it. Because here's the deal. Stances can be made on platforms and can be broadcast to the multitudes. And you may be able to communicate what you believe and why you believe it, but when it's only done from the position of the, of the masses in communication, you'll never be able to get to the heart behind the people that are either with what you're saying or struggling with what you're saying. You have to be able to put yourself in a position to have a conversation with somebody 
because not everybody who acts the same way got there the same way. Not everybody who believes the same thing got there the same way. Not everyone who struggles with the same uh, superficial things got to that struggle the same way. And the moment that we begin to treat people as if they all got there the same way, so my giant blanket statement of stance is going to apply to every person, we completely miss the fact that love is our stance because when love is our stance, then our heart and our concern for the person that possibly even stands against us becomes second to us wanting to be right. And I don't say that easy. I don't say that like, it's just no problem. Let's just flip the switch in our brain and we're all good to go. It is not easy because it takes practice. I find myself in many different moments switching back onto the side that says, man, this is just what the word says and just suck it up and let's make change and go for it. And then I feel the Holy Spirit say, easy, you know, pump the brakes because you need to get to know this person. You need to get to know the situation. You need to get to know the story and this background because the moment that you have the opportunity to walk that journey, it creates a lifetime opportunity to see God do in somebody's life what God desires to do in somebody's life. And maybe things happen like that with some people, and I know many, probably more so, where it is a long, long journey. But it's not a long journey of, of man, I just, you know, this is just gonna be terrible. That's how God loves certain people because he knows how he's gonna be able to get through to them. That's why God is an eternal God. He's not just a today God. And I was like, okay, and here's your chance, and no, sorry, all right, well, I'll give you a chance. Move on to the next person. No, he, he's slow to anger. He's long-suffering. He, he is slow in his judgment because his love is so great for all of humanity. But I think at the end of the day, there are still things where we have to ask ourselves, in our life, are we going to stand, take a stand for this, or are we going to take the easy route and bow down to what's going on or bow out to this situation? And so my application for what we're talking about today is probably gonna be a little bit more specific than what you may, may think. Maybe you're, you've already, well, he's probably gonna go in this direction, probably gonna go in that direction. No, mine, this actually is gonna tie a lot more maybe even to last week. What are you gonna, what are, what are you gonna worship? We kind of laid out last week that every single human being is a worshiper. Worship is not a Christian thing. Worship is a humanity thing because God made us to be worshipers. And so it is literally impossible for you as a human being to not be worshiping something. God says, I want that something to be me. And it's not because he's just up in heaven waiting for everyone to bow down and kiss his feet. No, it's, it worship is what, what is what creates the pathway and the direct in connection of intimacy to the Father. It's what, it's what lets the father know that my heart is in this child of mine that I love and now they're coming close to me. Worship helps you draw closer and closer in your relationship with God. But if you're not worshiping God, we can be certain that we are worshiping something. So I'm not gonna re-preach that. Go back and, and check it out on the podcast. But this week, I, I want us to get more personal into our own lives. What is it that you refuse to bow down or bow out to? Let's get personal, like shrink your world. Let's not think about the global world and, well, I'm gonna take a stand on this political stance. Well, you know, think twice, you know, that, but that's not what we're talking about today. Well, I'm gonna take a stance on this particular social item and okay, that's cool, but again, think through the process before you start getting on and like bashing people and taking anti-stances. And, and I want you to know that you can be a Jesus follower who stands on the word of God and believes what the word of God teaches and still not position yourself towards people in an anti-way. Does that make sense? Just because you are, this is what our, our culture right now is challenging. Just because you are for something does not automatically make you against the other side. 
It's just, it's just not that way. But, but, and I don't want to keep going like media, media, but media wants it to be that way because the more that media can polarize people, the more money they will make in sales and commercials and advertising because people are going to live. If they can get you on their side, then you're going to listen to what they have to say. But if you can get you on this side, then these people will get you to hear what they have to say. And you'll, you'll tune in and you'll, you'll subscribe to their stuff. You'll buy their newspapers. You'll watch their TV channel. You'll, you'll vote the way they want you to vote on both sides. I want you to know that it's not any of our media outlets. It's not uh, late night uh, entertainment, fake news type of stuff. None of that. They don't care about you. They don't care about the views that they push on us that we accept or we don't accept. All they care about is making money. So if that revelation is alive inside of us, then we need to realize, well, then what should I stand on and what should I stand for? And my hope is that in a broader sense that we make a choice that we are going to stand for people. Which ones? All of them. All of them. Well, what about the ones that don't like me? That's not your problem. I mean, if you choose to make it your problem, it becomes a problem. But that's the cool thing. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray, pray for those who persecute you. You know what's interesting? If you actually love your enemies, they're no longer your enemy. If you pray for those who persecute you, you're no longer against that person. It may not change them necessarily in the moment, but it sure as heck changes your heart. It's really hard to be against someone that you love. Y'all are super quiet, is it? Anyway, can I get a... Can I get a charity amen or some? So, <laughs> that's going to sound great on the podcast. Anyway, if we don't know what to stand for, we'll fight for the wrong things and we'll compromise in the worst moments. So I want to I kind of go straight to, uh, I'm going to go straight to a story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's so cool. I, I remember this story impacted me when I was a child. Um, it was, you know, if you grew up in the church way back in the day, you know, they had the flannel graphs. Anybody remember flannel graphs? It's like, that's before like whiteboards and computers and TVs and technology. It was just like these little, little, little Bible characters. That's not even what they look like, but they're made of flannel. And they you know, stick them up on another flannel board and they would tell stories. So this is one of my favorite ones. And even, even as I grew up and my wife and I did youth ministry for years, like the power in this story is really cool. Okay, I'll stop talking about it. We'll just go there. I'm gonna go to Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. It's kind of like a little bit in the middle and to the right. I would tell you what page it's on, but it's, it's not gonna be the same. Anyway, well, page 1793, I'm gonna do it anyway. Okay, so chapter three, and uh, this is, man, this is so cool. So what's happening right now, it's always important when you read the Bible, is to try to figure out and understand the context of what's going on. It's not just reading, okay, these are just reading these words, and I don't know who these people are and what's going on in the world. So what's happening in Daniel chapter three is we have the nation of Israel who uh, God took them from, uh, from Egypt in slavery for 400 years, rescued them, delivered them through the wilderness, gave them the promised land in a powerful and miraculous way. And God told them, he's like, listen, if you continue to worship me as your God, as you continue to pursue that relationship with me, everything is going to be great. But if you turn away from me and begin to worship the other gods of the people that used to live where you are, or if you turn away from me and worship just whatever, again, he's painting the picture that there's no, no worship. You're going to worship something. He goes, but if you turn from me and you walk away from me, you're walking away from relationship and protection and other nations are going to come and get you. Like if I'm, I'm like, they're going to come and get me. Got it. We're good. But they didn't get it. And so there's this cycle throughout Israel's history 
throughout the, especially throughout the Old Testament where they would, they, would, they would realize we screwed up and they would come back to God and they would be all great and then they'd be distracted and they'd start worshiping other false gods and idols and, and, and other different things and they would turn from God and the same stuff would continue to happen. And so right now in Daniel chapter three, we have the nation of Babylon, which has, or the empire of Babylon, which is a, it's, it's not a metaphor, it's an actual historic uh, uh, civilization. It's a time period where they had captured uh, all of Israelites and they had taken the best and the brightest back with them to Babylon uh, to be a part of, of the empire. They began to reprogram and disciple and train and, and uh, in internships, they didn't call it that, but that's what I'm going to call it, and to, to try to take these bright young men and turn them into something else. So in Daniel chapter 3, we have King Nebuchadnezzar, what a cool name, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and it says that what he did is that he got to a moment where he wanted all of the important, powerful, ruling people that served under him to come and basically worship him, but he made this giant gold statue, 90 feet high, nine feet thick. That's, that's substantial. And he says, all right, this is what we're gonna do. All right, everyone's here. There's thousands of you. You're all the leaders of my empire and you're here to worship me, but you're gonna do it through this gold statue. So here's how you know what to do. As soon as you hear the music, now I want you to know, music will always be connected to worship, whether it's worshiping God or whether it's worshiping something else. That's another message for another time, but it's so important. As soon as you hear the music, bow down and worship this golden statue that I've made. And so ready, set, cue the band. And so the band's playing, they're doing their thing. People are bowing down. And then it says, one of the astrologers of the king came to the king. I guess this is probably like tattletale astrologer, I don't know. King, hey, remember how you said if, uh, that, you know, you got the idol, you got the music, bow down. And anyone who does not is gonna get thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember that king? Yes, I remember that. It was a, it was a wise move uh, on my part, my leadership. Well, there's these three uh, Jewish guys that, you know, I don't know if you could see or not, but they didn't bow down when you began to play the music. And it says that he flew into a rage. And starting in verse 13, I'm gonna read this. It says, and Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, listen to these names. I love this. I love Old Testament Bible names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up? And he says, okay, I'm a gracious king. I will give you one more chance to bow down, worship the statue that I have made uh, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. And if you refuse, then you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And when, and, oh, here, I love this. This is where he's picking a fight and he doesn't even realize it. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Woo! Little chest poking happening right here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. And I love this. There's, here's the thing. I can, you can read this two ways, and I've read it both ways just for fun. You either, either read it on one side where there's a little bit of sarcasm coming from these guys, or potentially, and I think it's probably more accurate, there's still honor in their voice. Even though this king is threatening them and, and, and uh, you know, basically saying your God stinks, your God has no power, what, what's your God going to do? Um, they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Uh, and that's crazy, like. My nature is like, your majesty. You know, I'm, I'm like mocking a little bit. I have a feeling that that was not the case with these guys. 
But even if he doesn't, guys, listen to this. This is so, this is deep and this is powerful. Even if he doesn't, how many times have we said, God, I need you to do this for me. If you do this for me, then I will blank for you. If you come through for me, God, if you are real, then I will serve you. How about we get to the point in our relationship with God, and I don't say this that this is easy, but how about we get to the point in our relationship with God where we say this, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. This did not go well with Nebuchadnezzar. He was, not, he was not, it says he actually had the furnace uh, uh, fired up seven times hotter than normal and he was so mad that he got some of the strongest guys from his military to come and to tie these guys up hands and feet. They were fully dressed and to go throw them immediately into the furnace. And it says it was so hot in fact that the guys that threw them in actually died from the heat. And so Nebuchadnezzar's like, see, I want y'all to pay attention to this, how powerful I am. Nobody should cross me. And all of a sudden, however this furnace was made, however it was set up, he was able from where he was to look in and see what was going on in the furnace. And I want you to, I want you to take a guess what may have been happening in this furnace. Were they getting burned up? Were they screaming? Were they being tortured? It says that King Nebuchadnezzar looked in and, and he kind of did one of these, you know, cartoon, rub your eyes, makes a squeaky noise. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Didn't we just throw three men into the fire? Didn't we throw three of them in there? And they're like, yes, king, we threw three. He's like, well, look in there. There's four of them in there. They're walking around unharmed, and one of them looks like a god. And he says, he yells back into the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, hey, if you're okay, can you come out of the fire? Now, none of this makes any sense. This conversation should not be happening. Like this, this was a you're in, you're, you're dead before you even hit the flames. It's so hot, men were already killed just throwing them in there. If we are willing to allow ourselves to be used by God, to stand for what God asks us to stand for, you can stand for what God asks us to stand for without being disrespectful to the world around us. You can stand for without positioning yourself against. You can stand for truth without shoving it in people's faces who don't quite understand it yet. You know, and that's something that you can have honor in how you carry yourself while still refusing to bow down to the world's culture around us. And so I wanna ask you that question. Again, I asked you before, let's make our world small. What in your life are you willing to stand for? What in your world is there standing room only? Is it your marriage? Because they're, they're, I'd say like for these guys, I probably could have come up with a handful of, of reasons why I would have bowed down in that moment. Because, you know, like one of them, just cross your fingers so it doesn't count, right? Um, okay, you know, uh, God, I'm going to bow down, but don't take it personal. They're going to throw me in a fire. So you are a God of grace, right? So you're going to forgive me regardless. So I'm just going to do this, but just know I don't mean it. I just don't, you know. You know, maybe they could have said, well, you know, God's given us important positions of power, even as exiled people. If we die in this fire, they're just going to replace us with other people from their culture. So how can we, you know, how can we be there for our exiled people? So let's just go ahead and take one for the team. And, and again, we got our fingers crossed. We don't mean it. We'll say that we're sorry to God later. You know, I mean, there could have been so many things that they justified. How many, how many things do we justify in our own life? Like, you know, I, I know I probably shouldn't, but... Um, you know, God, God loves me. It's going to be okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be back at church on Sunday. I'll get, that, I'll get it straight and we'll be good to go. You know, just this one time, so I can, this one compromise isn't going to hurt anything. 
You know, this, you know hey, every, all my friends are telling me that, you know, I, I, sh- I should very easily be able to just walk away from this marriage because it's, it's not really my fault anyway, so I, I should be freed to go and, like, find somebody who really loves me, you know, because all my friends are, have done that, and they're saying that I, I deserve that. So, I mean, I know your word says that I made, I made a covenant relationship with my spouse. And hear me out. I'm not throwing that out there for anyone who's walked through those hard things to make light of it, but I'm talking about the people that are in the moment right now. Because there are, yes, there are uh, plenty of situations that are relational where you have, you are basically in danger, get out. Let's draw the line right there. Get out of danger. But I'm talking about those who find yourself in a position where you have the choice to see something awesome happen, but it feels like the easy thing to do is just to kind of get out. I'm just going to bow out of this one. What about your kids? Are you willing to take a stand for your kids? Well, you know, it's just, it's just different how it was when I was a teenager, so... It's okay for my kids to participate in X, Y, and Z. Because, I mean, when I was a kid, my parents would have killed me. But, you know, it's a new day. It's different. You know, now there's free-range parenting. That's kind of how you do it now. You just kind of let the kids discover their own path and, and let, let your kids kind of just, kind of they'll figure it out on their own. I don't want inter- to interfere with my friendship with my children. Which, by the way, you're not called to be your, your kids' friends. That actually comes later in life. You get to be their friend later if you're their parent up front. If you want to be their, parent, their friend now, there's a good chance you won't have the opportunity later to speak into their life. And, and so you got, am I going to stand for this? Because taking a stand doesn't mean it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, when you have to choose to take a stand, more times than not, the outcome is going to be challenging. So we have to decide. I want to decide as a church, are we going to, in our city, are we going to continue to stand for those who can't stand for themselves? Because it's going to be expensive. It's gonna be, uh, be dirty, it's gonna be challenging, it's not always gonna be accepted. There are people that we're gonna to wanna to help that are broken, ever tried to rescue somebody drowning, they will drown you because they don't know that you're trying to help them, they're just panicking in where they are in life. Same thing's true when we're, as a church, we wanna carry a message of hope to the broken, we wanna carry a message to them of what God is for and to let them know God is for you, even he knows everything and he's still for you. Are we going to stand for that or are we going to kind of bow out and just, uh, and just become eventually one of those churches that's just for all the church people? A church that just got so comfortable and, well, you know, we're, we're used to each other now. And so, you know, we don't really need to grow anymore. We have enough. And now we can just kind of do, do our thing. Or will we stand for the mission that God has called us to, the one that started with him going to the cross taking what we deserved upon himself, going into the grave, descending, the Bible says, descending to hell, taking the keys, the authority of hell and the grave so that, that, so that death, which is supposed to be the, the greatest weapon that the enemy has to scare us, no longer has any power. And then not even that, he conquered death in the grave by raising from the dead, and now he's alive and living God who has sent his spirit to be in those who call on his name and follow him so that now the devil doesn't just have to be afraid of Jesus, now the devil has to be afraid of you. Because, because his gig is up. He, he knows that we know. And I know my job, and part of my job is to, is to remind you that you know that what the enemy wants to do to, to scare you, to distract you, to, to steal from you, to, to not let you be what God created you to be, I want you to know the truth. Because when you know the truth and you begin to walk in your identity of what God says, not what the world says, when you begin to embrace who God says you are and you begin to understand that, hey man, there's, there's a bunch of people that 
you could very easily qualify as my enemy right now, but I'm going to love you. It's going to be okay. Hey, because I know that you don't realize what's going on in your life. And I know somebody hurt you. And that's why you just think that what you have to do to protect yourself is to hurt me. But you're not going to hurt. You can't hurt me. I'm okay. I'm good. And uh, you need to know that God loves you. And we begin to disarm people, which also takes away the weapons that the enemy is trying to use. And I love this so much. Now, check this out. Check this out. This is where we're going to finish up. And I'll go ahead and get, um, Josh, I'll go ahead and get you up on the keys. So check this out, how this ends. Well, I kind of already said how it ends. But this is how, this is how God, I believe, wants to use the church in America. And it's bigger than America, but this is our context, okay? This is how I believe God wants to use the church in America. Because there will be times where we stand and maybe God doesn't deliver us in that moment. And we have to be willing to say, well, am I still going to stand? Or, but here's the deal. These, these three Hebrew boys with amazing names, they weren't even their original names. They were, they, this was the names of the people that, uh, that, that from that culture had given to them to try to kind of re, reprogram them and give them a new identity. And uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees them. He sees, he sees what he what looks like could be God walking with them in the fire. That's another whole message all by itself, you know. You may be in the fire, but that doesn't mean that you're alone in the fire. You know, the only thing that got burnt off of them, it says they didn't even smell like smoke when they got pulled out. The only thing that was burned in that fire was what had tied them up. What your world, what the world around us wants to tie you up with, God, some, sometimes you gotta let God let you get in the fire because it's gonna be the actual fire that creates a public display so that everyone else around you sees that what tied you up before now is no longer even a part of who you are. What the world condemns, God is going to use to exalt him. And so we have to get out of this, this American Western mindset that says that, well, you know, God is just a God who's gonna um, take all my problems away. Uh, he's gonna, any, anytime something goes wrong, he's gonna fix it. Uh, and he's gonna give me lollipops every Friday. You know, this, this like this, this weird Willy Wonka Christianity that just makes you think that if God is really God, that he's never gonna let me suffer, false. Sometimes God wants to trust you to suffer so that he can use your suffering to bring you through so that people can see there is a God because there's no way in the world that that person should have gone through that situation. I just wonder, even if it gets to the point where God doesn't bring you through the way that we want him to, if we'll still stand. And I pray that we will. I pray that we will. And um, can, I, can I pray for you? Right now, we're gonna wrap this up. And um, These boys spoke life into their world. They spoke life by saying, this is what we're gonna stand for. And they didn't position themselves against the king. They didn't dishonor the king. They just realized what I'm standing for is so much more important than what I would bow down to. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at ConvoChurch. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.